I wasn't expecting much, especially because in the Indian freelancing space, I think I was like the first person to write an ebook. And I was the first person to charge like $10 for it, which is a lot of money. I did end up selling like 150 copies or so in the first week. And since then, I have written seven ebooks. And of all those seven ebooks, like thousands of copies have been sold. Welcome to a new episode of Hyperior Presents. In season two, I interview new guests with the same vibe and the same goal to make you a better creator. Today, I talk to Shreya Patar. Shreya has over 100,000 followers on LinkedIn and shares her secrets to growing an account and her ghostwriting agency. My name is Unique, co-founder of Hype Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. Shreya, it's great to have you here. For people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Shreya Patar. I run a content marketing agency. Specifically, we focus on LinkedIn branding. And apart from that, what I love to do is also I teach freelancing online. So that's most of what I do on Twitter. That's most of what I do on Instagram as well. I teach freelancing. I've written seven eBooks. I've created one course and just kind of helping people find their first client, understand how to get into the space. I'm a writer. I love writing. So definitely for me, Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn are spaces to kind of just share my thoughts, write it down and Sometimes, often, I guess, also on Twitter end up triggering a lot of people. But yeah, that's the good side of it, I guess. So yeah, that's something about it. Cool. And so let's back up a little bit, because what were you doing before you became a content creator? What what did you study? How did you roll into this? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting story as well. So I've been writing since I was really young, and I've always enjoyed writing. But of course, I wrote something like poems, or I wrote about how bad my day was at school, or how much I hated maths. You know, I wrote about such things. And initially, I wanted to be a doctor. I thought I would pursue medicine. I prepared for all those entrance exams that we have in India, prepared for everything and decided, no, you know what, this is not what I want to do. Like even in the preparation phase, I was like, this does not sound right. I decided to do literature instead. So then I moved to Dublin. So I grew up in Mumbai in India, and then I moved to Dublin for university. So I studied English and philosophy there at Trinity College. And something very interesting happened there because in the first month of college, the CEO of LinkedIn, Jeff Feiner, he is now the executive chairman. He was there for an interview with one of these student societies that we have in college. And after the interview, he was just out standing out taking pictures with students. And I just went up to him and I said, you know, I have this LinkedIn profile. I have just joined college. I have no idea what to do with it. Why should I be on LinkedIn if, you know, I'm not even looking for a job? And in hindsight, it feels kind of stupid that I went up to the CEO and asked him that, but I did. And he was just like, okay, can can I just see your profile if you already have a LinkedIn account? So then he went through my profile and I already had a lot of work experience there. And he asked me a few things. People still think he gave me some secret hack on how to like, you know, get into the LinkedIn algorithm. That's not what happened. But he basically told me that, you know, whatever, you have to first decide what you want to do and only then can you act towards it. So it in general, like, do you have a dream job is one of his favorite questions. And I was blank. I didn't know what my dream job was. So he was like, first, you need to know what you want to do. And then you can kind of, you know, track your way towards it. Anyway, I wrote a post about that meeting. That was my first ever post on LinkedIn. It went viral. It had like over one and a half million views. And because of that, I got so many people who messaged me saying, Shreya, you wrote this post so well. Can you also write for us? And at the time, I had some experience in content writing because of my internships, but I didn't ever freelance at that point. Like I had no idea what freelancing was, how to do it. 
But when people started approaching me, I just started saying yes and, you know, started getting some clients, making some money. So that's how everything started. So I got into freelancing pretty much by this, you know, like this fate, luck, destiny kind of thing. And I kept up with it. So now it's been like four years since this happened. I decided to graduate college a year early so that I could focus on this full time. I started my own agency. I'm a creator as well. And yeah, that's how it's all progressed. Very cool. Let's unpack a couple of things because uh, you, you said you didn't want to study medicine. You you went to do literature, but the magic for the written word, when did that come? You know, And did it come from your parents or how did that come in your life? So I've grown up around a lot of books for sure, because my dad loves reading. So my mom and dad, like I've always seen them with books. And my dad often tells me that when I was younger, uh, like when he was sitting with a book, I used to just go pick up some book, pull it upside down sometimes because I didn't know how to read, obviously. And I used to just, you know, keep imitating him and flipping the pages. And he tells me this just to remind me like, you know what, you may not remember this, but this is what happened. This is how you got into it. So it was definitely the influence of my parents and the fact that we used to go to the store called Crossword very often, like every weekend, we used to go to a book fair or some store, buy a lot of books and, you know, go through them. So uh, that's where the love comes from. And surprisingly, when I told my parents, you know what, I don't want to do medicine, I want to study literature. They were like, yeah, like we knew that all along. We didn't even know why you were pursuing medicine and why you were trying that out, but you wanted to. So we didn't say anything, but turns out they knew. So it, I was happy because then I could get that support. Otherwise, it's not normal when you want to, when you want to pursue writing, right? So I'm glad they saw that. Yeah, I, I hear that more. So in some cultures, I guess, your know, parents, they try and push their kids towards certain professions. But for you, it was the other way around. You may be thought like, hey, my parents would love for me to do medicine, or I see other parents that also try to push their children here and there, but that wasn't the case for you. It is interesting. Uh, yeah. And so what's also interesting is that I think a lot of people will think the takeaway here is, hey, Treya met the CEO of LinkedIn, that was her lucky break. But I think when before that, the writing, the reading, that's actually why you could write such a great post about meeting the CEO. And I think a lot of people don't see that, but it takes a lot of reps to be able to create a great story. And then you had something to write about, of course, which was great. But because you had all the reps put in already, that story went viral. I'm so glad you bring that out because, yes, people do think it was like a one-time thing. But of course, I remember how much effort I put into writing it as well because I just, first I wrote an article, I realized that a LinkedIn post is much shorter. And at that time, the LinkedIn post lim character limit was even shorter than it is now. So I did put in a lot of work. And I think more importantly, it's not just like, you know, the one post, of course, it got me a couple of clients. But after that, if I hadn't been consistent on LinkedIn, I wouldn't be here today with this. So I'm really glad you see that and you bring that out. Yeah, a lot of people think, you know, just you get a lucky break and then all of a sudden things just click. But it's all the work that went before that, that actually made that happen. And so, okay, the post went viral, a million and a half views, that's a lot. And so the first couple of people started asking, hey, can you write things for me as well? How did you respond to that? How did you go about creating a business around that? So the first person who told me to write for him, he wanted me to write exactly about that topic. So he wanted me to write about my experience and he would put it up on his blog because he used to bring out such stories on his blog. And he offered to pay me $75 for that article. And it was very interesting because whatever I'd heard of at until that point, especially about Indian freelancers, 
was that you would struggle to get paid even $10 for an article. And that's true. Even till date, people do get do, do struggle to get that much. Uh, so for me, that was very interesting. And I think that was also important for me because once I realized that, hey, like somebody's willing to pay me $75 for like an article of roughly like 400, 500 words, I realized that this should be my starting point. This is also why I started calling myself like a premium freelancer because I understood that people are willing to pay more if you just ask for it. So yeah, so when somebody approached me, like in my head, it was like, okay, this is, there's something about my writing that this person really likes because $75 for a student, like a broke student who's never made money online, that's a huge deal. I just said yes. And then in that, in the same week, I had a couple more people saying, can you write brochure content for us? Like all these different things. Can you write social media content? This one person had just launched a gym and he wanted me to write original phrases that could go up on the walls of the gym. So when I say like the most random things, I just said yes to everything. And I just, you know, kind of got experience working with people and they were happy with it. And a lot of trial and error, for sure. A lot of, okay, you don't get paid on time. A lot of, you know, work has to be redone because it wasn't like we weren't in sync about the expectations and things like that. And I learned everything through trial and error because I didn't have access to courses at that point. I didn't even know freelancing or courses were a thing in in the freelancing world. And whatever courses I saw, they were by these big creators talking about $10,000. And for me, $10,000 at that point felt like a scam. I was like, that's not happening. So let's just stick to $100 a month or like $500. That, that's okay. So yeah, a lot of trial and error, but just saying yes to things and then working my way up from there. And so it started with writing posts, but I guess as some people are already happy that they post sometimes on LinkedIn, but I guess a lot of people also want something out of that. They want leads or they want, I don't know, more connections or what did people ask? What were their goals and how did you write towards that? I think that's the interesting thing that initially I didn't care about these things. When somebody said, I want an article, I was like, okay, I'm writing an article that you like. When somebody said, I want brochure copy, I was like, okay, I'm just doing what you are expecting, what you said you want. But that's also where I ended up getting stuck because after a point, I couldn't scale my fees because there was no real world outcome to it. But now when I talk about it, I have a better offer. So now I know that there's value in terms of, let's say, some people want personal branding. Some people want personal branding plus lead generation, inbound lead generation, not through ads, but through content. So now that I have understood that it's not just about doing what the client wants, but actually getting them the results that can be generated from this particular task. So I've been able to create a better offer. So yeah, definitely everything's changed since having that realization. But initially it was just like, okay, we want this. And I was like, okay, I can write. I'll give this to you. You're happy with it. If you're not, then I'll make some changes and give it to you. And it just turned out fine because people were happy with it. So yeah. How did you change your offer? And how did you then find your clients or how did they find you with your, I guess, increased fee? Uh, So it's always been LinkedIn. That's also why I've stuck to it. No matter what other platforms I use, I've stuck to LinkedIn because that's my number one source for leads. To date, I get inbound leads on LinkedIn through my content creation. And my content is pretty much varied. I don't specifically talk about LinkedIn branding. I don't specifically talk about, let's say, also like, let's say my client case studies. I very rarely do that. But it's just the fact that I love telling stories. So for me, everything is about telling stories and they tend to perform well on LinkedIn. So a lot of my posts get a lot of reach, a lot of views. And people are just hooked to the writing style. And especially somebody who wants to start generating leads or wants to build thought leadership, where they want somebody to be able to tell their story in the right way, in the impactful way. That's where I come in. And my stories and 
the engagement on my post is good enough for them to be like, okay, yeah, you'll do a good job. Let me talk to Shreya and see what she can do for us. And then, of course, I have my case studies to show my work. But yeah, like I think that's also somewhere most freelancers tend to miss the mark. Freelancers or agency owners where you're focusing too much on the deliverables rather than the outcome of those deliverables. So if you kind of change your focus towards being customer first, client first in terms of the results that they get and the value that they get in return, that's how you can actually scale and, you know, kind of charge more as well. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And so you started as a freelancer. You're now an agency owner. How did you work towards that? I guess you now have maybe other freelancers working for you or maybe even employ a couple people. How did it work? So for the longest time, I was really scared of having anybody else on board because in my head, it was like, if somebody is paying me, let's say $1,000 for something, they're expecting me to do the work, first of all. And second of all, if they could actually find somebody who could do the work even close to what I do in terms of quality, then why would they be paying me $1,000, you know? So all these weird, unrelated mental blocks held me back for the longest time. And then I think two years ago, I just hired one person on a freelance basis and I just started working with them. And I got that sort of confidence that, okay, this is good. Like I'm able to free up some time. I'm able to take on more clients and I'm able to actually outsource work that I may not find too interesting or too hooking, at least maybe the drafting part of it, if not the whole thing. And it made my life very much easier, especially because at the time I was also studying. So managing college and freelancing, it's a whole thing. So it was, it just started with one person. I had only one person working with me for like six months, then another person. And that's just how I built it up. So yeah, at this point I have about five or six people working. It's different. Mostly it's on a freelance or contract basis, but yeah, I'm looking forward to expanding soon because that's, I think that's the only way to scale. It's not about, that's one thing about lead generation, but I think nobody talks so much about the importance of finding good people for your agency so that it can actually grow. But yeah, that's the next step now. Definitely. Talk about the first hire, you know, where did you find this person and how can other people find people like that? Oh, on LinkedIn. So I got an inbound message on LinkedIn. I think that guy was just lucky because I tend to get a lot of messages, but I don't really, I can't go through everything, right? So I don't tend to see it. But in that, at that particular time, I was looking for a writer in a very specific niche. And that guy just texted me at that very moment saying that these are my samples and they exactly matched what I was looking for. So in many ways, I think he got lucky and I got lucky as well, of course, that I just found somebody like that. So at the time I didn't go through much of samples or anything. I'm just like, okay, let me just hire this person as a one-off, like let him write one article. Let me see how it is. I realized, of course, even now that it's not just something that can be, usually it's not that the person you're giving the work to can do all of the work right from scratch to perfection and then pass it on to the client. I still have to do a lot of overlooking and a lot of quality control, if you could say that. But yeah, once I made my peace with the fact that I do have to be involved in some ways, I can't just expect perfection or what I'm looking for. I can't just expect it every time. So that just helped me like ease things out. And I was okay with working with that person. Mm, Very nice. And so I think a lot of people who are listening are also wondering like, hey, I'm still a student or just graduated or I want to pivot my career. How can I get started with what Shreya is doing? How would you advise people to get started with content creation and doing some freelance work? Okay, I think uh, content creation, for content creation, I would suggest that you pick just one platform. Because especially now, as you can see, obviously everyone's on all these platforms. Everyone's doing TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, all at the same time. 
But you have to understand that these people do have maybe a team behind them or they have certain amount of experience to be able to manage these multiple things. But when you're starting out, that's way too much. So I would recommend sticking to one platform. I stuck only to LinkedIn for two years before I even thought of moving on to anything else. So stick to one platform, kind of get a hang of it, try to create content, get some sort of engagement on it. We'll start building an audience, uh, start reaching out to people, but do it on one platform initially. And if you want to start freelancing, the first thing, of course, is to pick a skill that is worth monetizing that somebody would be willing to pay you for. And at this point, all these skills can be learned via YouTube. So even if you don't want to invest in a course initially, you can just do some trial and error through videos on YouTube, learn some skill. It could be content writing, copywriting for sure is a good skill to learn. Storytelling, it could be also graphic designing, video editing. I recommend video editing as well at this point because... Everything's video right now. Even Twitter is going to come up with more video content. So definitely a good opportunity for everyone who's a video editor. So look into these skill sets, gain some experience, create some mock portfolios, and then start reaching out to people. And I would say initially reach out to people with no expectations at all. Like don't expect fees. Maybe like you just want to send your portfolio, tell them what you can do for them. And just tell them that you'll give them the content. Like don't ask for a testimonial in return. Don't ask for a shout out. Don't ask for anything. Just get a hang of these people and just get the experience of working with one or two people. And then, of course, from there, you can start charging. Uh, now, this is me very much oversimplifying things because there's only so much I can say here. But of course, it has to do with, you know, first learning a skill set, creating something related to it, and then reaching out to people and sharing how you can help them out. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You mentioned also you have an agency or freelancing, but you've also started building courses. How did that go? It's been great. So my favorite type of info product is ebooks because of course I love writing. So for me, ebooks are the best thing. So it started off with one ebook called Hashtag Anthology. And that was just a collection of my top performing LinkedIn posts. And that wasn't like a writing from scratch kind of ebook. That was more of a, you know, like a compilation, an anthology, literally. And I wasn't expecting much, especially because in the Indian freelancing space, I think I was like the first person to write an ebook. And I was the first person to charge like $10 for it, which is a lot of money. Because even if you get hard copy books in stores, that would be like $4. So why would somebody pay $10 for something that's a compilation of what's already out there? So it was a full on like, for me, it was a very much like experiment. Let's see how it does. I did end up selling like 150 copies or so in the first week. And that was great. Like it was a great start. And since then, I have written seven ebooks. So I've released seven ebooks. And of all those seven ebooks, like thousands of copies have been sold and they have been like different topics. So I have one on how to start freelancing. I have one on how to conduct sales calls. So it's very specific only on how to convert people on a sales call. And I have one on LinkedIn as well. So how do you build a brand on LinkedIn and monetize it? So these are very specific guides. And then I have more anthologies because, of course, I think I just picked it up and I made it a series. So I have two Twitter anthologies based off of my best threads on Twitter. So, yeah, I'm always experimenting with what to do. But, yeah, I love writing ebooks. Cool. So the first compilation, yeah, that's probably a no-brainer for a lot of people. Right? You don't need to do a lot of extra work. It's there. You can just look at your best posts. You can maybe yeah, add a little bit of context to the post and how people can come up with, you know, with similar things. How did you decide to create the next course? How did you come about that? I think once I wrote this one, I decided that the next one cannot be a compilation. It has to be something fresh. 
And in fact, I wrote the first one as a compilation just to kind of get a hang of what it means to create an ebook. So I wasn't expecting a lot of sales, but of course, it's easier to compile than it is to write something from scratch. So this was just a starting point. And all of my ebooks actually have, have been inspired by what I have come across the most in that particular period of time. So I think there was a particular month where everyone was asking me, Shreya, I struggle with sales calls. I just, I get on a call and I don't know what to say. I just start fumbling. I underprice myself. I underquote myself and I'm not able to, like people just keep ghosting me and I realize that this is a, a real problem. So I wrote an entire ebook called Money Calls on how to conduct a sales call and how do you close people on the call. And then a couple of months after that, suddenly, for some reason on Instagram, everybody was texting me, try you create all this content about Instagram, but how do I start freelancing? How? Like you told me how to do this, how to do, but how do I start? And I was like, okay, that, that's a fair enough point because there's no roadmap here. It's only just scattered content. So I put together an ebook that was just for how to start freelancing, everything from scratch. So all of my ebooks have come from that. Then there was this one point where everyone's asking me, you're doing so well on LinkedIn. How do I do that? Okay, so here's an ebook on LinkedIn. So, and it's great because I think that's what, you know, market research is even like when you kind of ask people what they want. In this case, I was just getting it in my DMs and I decided to make the most of that. So how did you decide to structure it? What tools did you use? How did you actually create the product? So the first ebook that I bought was one by Jose Rosado. And he's, he's a good mentor and a friend now, which I'm grateful for. And he was the, his was the first ebook. And I just, I was reading it and I was like, okay, this looks interesting. This is like, you know, so many mini, so many long form essays that have been put together. It, that's how I, I saw it in terms of the structure. And then I bought his ebook about how to write an ebook. And I went through more of his, e I only bought his ebooks after a point just to like understand the structure. How does he do it? And uh, yeah, so I basically, I kind of replicated that, that, okay, this is like, all of my pain points put together first and then you're kind of building that trust even in the ebook and then you break it down as much as possible so for me what's important in my ebooks is that i explain the simplest of things like my freelancing ebook has one chapter that's only about the vocabulary that's very common in freelancing so like things like lead generation inbound outbound clients customers like what do all these words mean i've talked about that as well so yeah, that has been the structure, just keeping in mind that if somebody who has no idea about this topic had to start, then what would I want them to know before they can move on to the pro stuff? So yeah, like I first, I create an index, like, okay, these are the topics I want to talk about. And then I fill them up in any random order. So I don't have an order that I go in. I just write about whatever interests me. And I think another interesting thing that I've realized about writing an ebook for me is that I tend to just write the whole draft in like a span of two days, which is crazy because it's like, you know, 15, 20,000 words. Uh, but I just, I've noticed that if I get into that zone, I just want to finish it because then I'm thinking of all these other things that I will forget if I don't just write them down instantly. So my drafting period is like two days max. And then there's, of course, the editing, the promotional structure and the proofreading, all of that. So, yeah. Yes. Nice. And so do you have some kind of funnel? Do you have a newsletter? And then you have all sorts of automations to get people to buy your courses? How does that work? I am learning everything at this point because I'm not, I wasn't a fan of newsletters, although I know the value of a newsletter. So I started one this year, which is way too late for somebody who's been creating content online for like three, three and a half years. But yeah, I have a newsletter now. I have over 7,000 subscribers, which I think is a great start. 
and automations i recently i did a black friday cyber monday weekend sale and we had an automation set up for that so that was my first time doing an automation it did really well and i'm like okay i need to learn all these things now it's high time yeah 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 funny yeah Hey, you're always at the whim, I guess, of all those algorithms of LinkedIn and Twitter. And if they decide to change something, you might not get as much impressions as you did before. So it's always a great idea to start a newsletter. It doesn't matter if it's later, better to do it sooner, I guess, but it's good that you you started that. How did you decide what software to use? How did you decide what content to create for that? Tell us a little bit about that. For the newsletter, I picked ConvertKit and I just found it to be the easiest. I think it's also the most pricey uh, based on like, for some reason, a lot of people tell me that, you know, you shouldn't be using that. Why don't you go for some other things? But I just, I just found that interface is really good. So I just stuck to ConvertKit for now. And um, topics, I'm, I'm really broad on what kind of topics I like to talk about. I use the newsletter as a format for storytelling more than anything else. So I relate things back to freelancing as much as possible to online content creation as much as possible, but I'm very open. Like I think one of the newsletters I did was about my gym progress pictures and I still don't look like I work out. But the the thing is that if you look at me from two years back, you can see the difference in, you know, who I was and who I am now. And I just put up that as a comparison. And that newsletter was about progress is not about what other people can see, or it's not about hitting a certain goal. It's rather the difference in you a couple of months ago versus now, a couple of years ago versus now. So it's your decision. And I think this writing style is inspired a lot by Alexander Cortez because he his newsletters are really long. They are narrative. I love reading them. They're so long, but I read every single word of them. And I think I've just picked up his writing style in many ways. So yeah, my newsletter is very broad that way. Nice. And so you've been creating on LinkedIn for quite a while. Not all your posts have gone viral, probably. How did you optimize those posts? How did you find out what posts did better and, and did worse? How did you go about that? That's a good question. And I think when I started out, not many people were creating content on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn branding and LinkedIn content creation weren't a thing. So this is four years ago. It just wasn't a thing. So I never thought about how many impressions I'm getting, how many likes. and like I just didn't care. I was just writing and publishing because for me, as a writer, it was a great thing to do just to put my writing out there. This was the first time I was publishing my writing under my name. Otherwise, I have done it previously anonymously. So this was like, you know, it was me. And of course, it was getting me leads. So that was my only goal, create good quality content that nobody else is creating and get leads and be a freelancer. That's it. So after that, I think, of course, I picked up what does well. And interestingly, after this post that went viral, the first post, the next post that went viral was during a series that I was doing for my dad's birthday. So I was sharing one story about like some lesson that my dad taught me every single day that week. And that one of those stories from that week went viral viral as in like it had like some 5,000 likes or something, which was way above average for me. And um, I realized that this is something that people love. I started sharing more dad stories. And now at this point, Shreya's dad is a thing on Twitter. Like Shreya's father is a thing because anytime I talk about my dad, people love it on Instagram and on uh, LinkedIn as well. So that's one of the trends I realized, you know, I picked it up and I made it my thing that, okay, I will talk about something my dad told me or some experience and it just became a thing. So that's how I figured out one of the trends. Another thing that I did for almost two years was at the end of every post, I had a PS and I would add a quote. 
And these were quotes by, of course, famous people, but these were lesser known quotes. They were not the cliche. And they would always be like very on point with my post. And in the comments, it used to, you know, people started asking, like, how do you find such quotes? How did you find something that's exact? Like, do you find the quote first and write the post? Or what do you do? And it started a thing. And after a point, people started wanting to read the quote first and then read the rest of the post. So all these small things that became a very Shreya Patar thing, like nobody else was doing it. And I think it was important because then people liked me for my writing. And it wasn't just about liking a LinkedIn post. It was liking Shreya's post. So yeah, that's how I kind of figured out the trends. And yeah, that's that's the story there. That's nice. And I think very good that you mentioned, you know, it wasn't about the likes. I think a lot of people make the mistake that they post something and they think that they'll get likes or that the reward is the likes. But actually, the publishing is the reward. And then, you know, a byproduct could be the likes. And as long as you, you know, keep the reward, the fact that you are able to express yourself, learn from publishing something, and then just see what what the end result will be in a sense that you you might get likes or not, you'll learn from that. But the publishing in itself should be the reward, not the chasing of dopamine hits with all the notifications you get. Yeah. And funny enough, the post that you you think would go viral doesn't. And the post you have no expectations from actually ends up being a hit. So I would say just don't have any expectations, I guess. Cool. Shreya, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for being here. For people who don't know you, tell us where can they find you? Oh, you can find me on every social media platform that there is. My name is not too common. So any social media platform, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, you can find me as Shreya Patar. And uh, I have a newsletter as well. So you can find those links in the bio of any of my social media platforms. And yeah, I think that that should be a good start. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. That's a wrap. But before we end this episode, I want to make a gentleman's agreement with you. I keep sharing these amazing podcasts with you. And the only thing you need to do in return is to go to YouTube, search for Hype Fury and subscribe to our channel and go do it right now. And I'll see you again next week.